I'm Tina Tang, an equities trader turned jewelry designer turned strength coach for women over 40. This podcast is my survival guide to health over 40, where I'll share things I wish my mom had told me, and where I'll interview experts to give us guidance about aging well. Check in every week for my newest episode. Hi, friends. I've got something really special I want you to save the date for. If you're in your 40s or 50s and you've noticed that your body's just feeling different, where what you used to do doesn't work for you anymore, you might be feeling off sad, mad all the time, or just not yourself. I will be hosting a free webinar, Master Your Body Through Menopause, where I will give you a step-by-step blueprint to get you through the other side. Save Wednesday, October 11th, 7 p.m. Eastern. More sign-up details to come. Welcome back. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Joshua Wasserman, who is a doctor of physical therapy. They specialize in orthopedic physical therapy and helping folks stay physically active in the presence of injury. They provide telemedicine, physical therapy, and in-home services in Oakland and San Francisco. Most importantly, as I said, Dr. Wasserman is a good friend of mine as we both started out as personal trainers together at Equinox. Let's go straight into my first question, which is, Rice. For a long time now, we have most of us have ingrained in our minds that we're supposed to do rice, which is rest, ice, compress, elevate, and that's the best way to Mm -hmm. treat an injury from exercise. But I know just when you work with my clients that the new physical therapy education on this is not about rice. Can you share more about what the goals are post injury? Absolutely, sure. So basically, after an injury, You do want to protect the area that's injured in like the initial first few days after an injury. That's not wrong. Uh, But instead of the old like take, use ice and use anti-inflammatories, the new acronym is now called PEACE LOVE. So PEACE stands for protect, elevate, avoid anti-inflammatories, compress, educate. And love stands for load, optimism, vascularization, and exercise. Basically, in a nutshell, you still do want to do movement after an exercise. It just needs to be appropriate and adjusted for the stage of the injury. Um, One of the big reasons why the old acronym is wrong is because the ice and the anti-inflammatories which we thought were good because they kind of curtailed inflammation. We now understand that those actually, inflammation is the first part of healing. So interfering with inflammation is actually not a good thing because it's literally getting in the way of the first stage of tissue healing. That's so interesting. That actually reminds me of something. I, I can't remember which podcast. I mean, they're talking about even like a fever, which you can consider like an inflammation sure. when little kids get it, is not a bad thing. It's really the body, the first stage of yeah. fighting the infection. So that that's like a similar idea. As we know, we both work with clients that are active. How do you know if an exercise injury is serious? And when do you stop the workout? People are of two camps. They either push through injury or any little type of injury. They're like, oh, I need to stop. Right. That's a good good question. Um, A little bit tough to answer very (laughs) differently. I would say usually 
is the pain I'm experiencing a result of a very specific mechanism of injury? For example, classically, like if you twist your ankle landing from a jump or something like that, is there a clear mechanism of injury there? And usually after a very specific acute injury, like twisting an ankle, you'll notice some telltale signs like swelling in the area, redness or discoloration. The pain is also usually very targeted to a specific spot and comes up with very specific movement patterns. If that event type of event happens in the gym, Mm -hmm. I would certainly say that in the moment, I would probably either hold off on using that body part till someone like a qualified professional can take like a further look at it. Or definitely, if you have the knowledge to be able to adjust the exercises to kind of to accommodate the current situation. Um, Let me think of an example that I I see more often, shoulder issue. So someone Mm -hmm. who presses and gets Uh shoulder pain, but they don't want to not work out. Uh, So they keep working through the pain. At what point is that? not a wise idea? Like, I guess, what's the best gauge of stop working through that pain? So if they notice when they're doing whatever shoulder exercises, and the pain is continuously getting worse, and it's not really subsiding at all, that's a sign that you want to change the type of exercise you're doing to allow uh, things to calm down. Uh, a mentor of mine by the name of Greg Lehman, who's a very well-respected physiotherapist and researcher as well, has a saying like, we need to calm shit down so that we can build shit back up. And I- Oh, you told me that. <laughs> I use that as a mindset with a lot of patients that I work with. So if someone were to be having shoulder pain, they do a specific exercise, they know an notice an increase in pain during the exercise and then also in the next day after the pain continues to go up and doesn't Mm -hmm. settle that's a sign that you want to try a different strategy okay what about when it's i'm trying to think what i've seen you for Mm -hmm. like knowing uh at that point like okay i can't keep ignoring this i need to do something i'm just thinking about even when people let's say they get a weird knee twinge. So when they lunge, they're like, it hurt, it hurts my knee. So I want to avoid lunges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, a, a typical approach that I'll take is if there is a particular movement that's problematic, before completely removing the movement first, I'll see if we can make some sort of adjustment so that they can tolerate the movement. But maybe it's like, maybe it's uh, lowering the weight a little bit. Can they mm-hmm. do the same movement with a lower weight with you know less discomfort? If so, then that's the first strategy I'll approach. Or can they do the same movement, but maybe we decrease the range of motion a little bit. So you know, instead of, for example, instead of squatting all the way to parallel, can they squat above parallel and tolerate that? Yeah. If so, then that will be the adjustment I'll make. Um, Or sometimes can we maybe like deload the movement where we give them some sort of assistance? So for the lunge, if we give them two sticks to hold in their hands and they do a lunge, but they now have some assistance, does that change it a little bit? 
-hmm. So I usually look for those kind of adjustments before fully abandoning a movement. Okay, so that's very helpful to know because a lot of the questions I had was related to knowing when to stop or knowing when to alter. If you were to put that in a list of priorities, first try this. What would the first one be? Lowering, sure, lightening the load, lowering the weight. Okay, so first thing someone does if let's say there's some pain pressing or doing a lunge or something is first try lowering the weight to see if the pain is still there to see if it changes so if it's mm-hmm. if it's like kind of within their tolerance yeah then i if they have you know an issue with pressing but then they lower the weight and they're like okay this is still a little bit uncomfortable but like it's within my tolerance yeah then i would use that as a sign that it's okay to keep going this is of course in the absence of like a very specific acute event so like okay you I know see what you mean it wasn't like there was an accident or something, like you said, twist right. your ankle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay. different. If, it, if there is something that's a very specific incident, then I'm probably going to give some time for things to settle down and yeah. definitely be a little bit more deliberate in changing the positions that I go into in the next week or two to let things calm down. Uh, for those listening, we'll use an example of when I saw you from my shoulder because the it would happen after I would be in my workshop for doing um, uh, Olympic snatches, which is bringing the barbell overhead. So I was fine before that, but then the week after, uh, the it was like a three-week workshop. The week after one of the days, it would be, uh, yeah. I would be in pain. And then it would calm down, and then I'd go to the workshop the next, the following week. So right. in that example, you had told me, okay, before you just go back, now the workshop's over, before you go back to pressing because the pain is there, let this let it calm, th- calm things down before you get back into it. Right. Exactly. Okay. That's that's like helpful. I was thinking about someone I know in that was competing in powerlifting with me. So uh-huh. she was having shoulder pain during bench press, but her pain would happen even when she was not doing anything, even if she was just sitting there. In that case she should have probably stopped and saw seen a PT. So for um, like weeks, she would work, th- she would press with pain and also even when not doing anything would have the pain. And I guess I, the first question I would have asked her was in terms of like, how did it start? I would want to have a little bit more information on when okay. she noticed the onset of pain, if it was more like gradual in nature versus again, was there a triggering kind of incident and yeah. kind of how long she's had the pain for? Yeah. But it sounds like she was having pain with bench pressing that in preparation for a meet. Yeah. We were both uh, training for a meet. And then, so she continued to follow the training program, even though there was pain yeah. uh, in the exercise. Okay. I mean, that's something that I certainly probably would have made an adjustment. So I would have, definitely explored some other options outside of just doing a bench press can you still do some sort of pressing motion that you can tolerate you know for example something as easy as a machine chest press where you don't have to stabilize the weight as much and it's a more comfortable position to push from if that changes anything at all Um, that's an interesting for anyone listening uh what he means by what you mean by the 
stabilizing just that when you have a barbell there's nothing holding up except for your arms but when you're using something on a machine the machine's pretty much controlling everything except for that one direction and so that way you don't have to, your body doesn't have to be doing a lot of things at once outside of the that one motion so that makes sense like kind of isolating the movement to see if yeah. that helps that's definitely something that I would look to, you know, can we isolate it or, you know, does something like, you know, maybe doing something like a, a floor press or some sort of other related movement, but not exactly the same that can be done with more success, you know? That makes sense. I think from a trainer perspective, mm -hmm. I wanted to bring this up because I think people hesitate going to physical therapists, maybe for insurance reasons, mm -hmm. uh, because they have to go to the doctor first and get a referral. But oftentimes right. I send people to you, even though you're out of state and probably not covered by the insurance, because there's some things that happen when they go to physical therapists. They have physical therapists. I think a lot of them have a reputation for not for telling you not to do anything. And I can think I've had a couple clients that I've sent to you who were told, not to do anything. For example, uh, right. one person was playing tennis and then uh -huh. uh, would have foot pain. And when she went to the insurance guided physical therapist, they told her to stop exercising. And she asked them, what well, can I walk? Because can I do something? Right. And she was told, no, I don't even want you to walk. And that's when she, I told her that's not correct. And why I sent her to you. So I want people to understand that the importance yeah. of a PT yeah. I mean, so I think the type of advice that PTs are giving is changing based off our understanding of what's effective and what's not. Yeah. Uh, there are times when you need to take away an activity if it is, if you've tried adjusting all the other variables, like if you, and if that doesn't work, sometimes mm -hmm. you do need to remove an activity, but a lot of the times you can maybe change the volume of the activity or the intensity of the activity or the frequency of the activity and still allow someone to be active without completely bailing on what it is they love to do. So that's always the first kind of the first thing I try to sort out is can we still do what you enjoy doing, but maybe at a lesser intensity or, mm -hmm. or frequency um, to keep you physically active? The client that I was referring to that you know about the tennis, you mm -hmm. had you had her go back to playing tennis, but not competitively, just kind of to keep right. her moving. And then she didn't have, I think, I remember she didn't have that pain anymore, or she wasn't feeling it. You, you were essentially integrating her uh, yeah. at a less intense level. So that's an example of lightening the load, yeah. as you said, is the first step. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not always easy as someone myself who... I don't always listen to my own advice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely a tough thing, though, that, you know, there are times when I've I've worked with, for example, runners who are running, you know, four or five days a week and running into some having some difficulties with their knees or their ankles. Mm -hmm. You know, the first thing I have them do is, OK, let's reduce the load a little bit and see if you can tolerate that and then slowly build you back up to where you were before. A lot of times it's with a lot of musculoskeletal aches and pains, quoting another one of my mentors, but he has mm -hmm. a saying where doing too much too soon after doing too little for too long. And uh -huh. I think probably the 
biggest reason why a lot of people get into trouble is because they scale up very quickly. Yes. That's why I liked the running program that yeah. that you had about. To summarize, the first thing people should do in trying to figure out what's going on is lighten the load and see if there's pain there. And then after that, would it be just seeing where the pain is? The, I would say reduce the range of motion would be the second okay. thing. Like if you're uh-huh. still having pain with a light and load, can you try reducing the range of motion of the exercise you're doing? Mm-hmm. And does that change anything? Mm-hmm. And um, then what would the third one be? So let's say lightening the load doesn't work, changing the range mm-hmm. of motion doesn't that's, work. To- that's when it's time to explore a different movement option. For example, let's say you're having difficulty squatting. Mm-hmm. Does a, a different movement option would potentially be a leg press. That's you know, in that in that type of situation, your upper body is supported. You don't have to control that. You're not moving your hips in the same fashion. So it, it allows you to, you can still train similar muscles, but in a different way. So what is the end goal doing any of those three things? Is it to let the area of the body recover? Or should you be doing something in, a, in addition to that? to heal? That's a good question. I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that. I guess it's hard because I'm speaking generalities. So you don't know the exact. I would say, I would say a lot of times it it, it allows things to calm down. And then the idea though, is you, you need to again, reintroduce with any movement that is uncomfortable, painful, sensitive, Mm-hmm. The only way to ultimately be able to do that movement successfully is to do that movement. With that being said, you have to, again, going into how you approach doing that movement is the key. I'll give you an example of another movement. Let's say like reaching to touch your toes is really painful to your mm-hmm. lower back. Yeah. That's a movement where you're standing up and you have to work against gravity. Yeah. Now, a very like regressed or easier version of that movement is lying on your back and just bringing your knees to your chest. It's like a variation of it. Um, it's bending the lower back, but it's supported on a table. Mm-hmm. Another sort of in between step is like have being seated and kind of reaching and touching your toes in that in that way. And then another version of the standing up is standing up, but instead of reaching to touch your toes, maybe you have your hands on some sort of elevated surface and you're practicing like kind of bending and straightening your knees. So those yeah. are all like a pathway to the final version. The, the alternative movement is to give, I would say, give time for things to settle down a little bit, but still be able to train the qualities that you want to train and then eventually give you a chance to get back into the the movement that was originally difficult. So who would you say is the first person someone should see if they were injured from an exercise? Let's say it is something like, but not where you twist your ankle, but you're doing a deadlift. I remember I sent Todd to see you. And oh, then right. He, he could, almost immediately people can feel during a deadlift, feel that pain yeah. or feel something snapped or popped yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Who's the first person they should see? In the case of I think a qualified musculoskeletal professional, whether they are a physical therapist or mm-hmm. a chiropractor, are are good people to see. Yeah, I think it's finding the right person that is a qualified 
musculoskeletal health professional who can do a good job at a ruling out anything serious like is this a medical yeah. issue that's outside of my scope yeah if it is then they can send you off for you know recommend that you get you know more medical screening whether it be like some sort of imaging etc or is this something within the wheelhouse of pt that we can very easily address with some good advice and some you know good exercise related programming i think oftentimes people want to go straight to a, an orthopedic doctor mm-hmm. and i always say i always suggest first thing, first thing is a physical therapist and the physical therapist as you're saying it will tell you no that you should see the orthopedic surgeon the plan of action I always send my clients i feel like the pt rules out anything because yeah. oftentimes the doctors like to scare you with you need to get an mri you need to get an x-ray yeah. Yeah. So like, unfortunately, although again, there are good doctors that do a good job explaining some of the education that's needed. Mm-hmm. But I, I think more often than not, at least in my experience, a lot of doctors rely on imaging and don't necessarily give patients good education about back pain, for example, and they yeah. end up loading them up with a lot of fear. Yes. And this this can be problematic because when people do get ner- nervous about their back and the spine and it's a little bit scary, then they all of a sudden stop lifting and potentially starting a cycle of, I'm going to avoid lifting because lifting is how I hurt my back. And then yep. they stop exercising in general. And Once someone's recovered from an injury where the pain Mm -hmm. is much less and they've been working, maybe even with a PT, what Mm -hmm. is important for them to maintain going forward? I would say to always keep in mind the idea with any sort of new activity they want to participate in. Like if it's something brand new, they should always be mindful of how they scale that activity. Uh, Mm -hmm. So trying as best as they're able to to have some sort of gradual progression, whatever the new physical activity might be. So that's that's one thing. The other thing is like, when they look at whatever physical activity, let's say they want to get into playing basketball or volleyball, etc. They should ask themselves, how prepared am I to do that activity? What Mm -hmm. have I done to prepare myself for it? And that's where like a good trainer can come in like yourself and fill in the blanks for like, okay, what does basketball require? Have you done any training of any kind to prepare yourself to play basketball? Mm-hmm. If you haven't, you're probably going to run into some aches and pains along the way. If you jump into a basketball league and start playing a 60 minute game, you know, every Sunday. Right. So I would say like preparation is is a good thing to really consider before doing going you know, back into the activity. Exactly. Oh, it goes back to that don't do too much too much too fast too soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is what usually leads to injury. And the last question I had, is there any other maybe common things that you see in your practice that you want to share with the audience as advice or things to think about? Sure. I'd say I've had patients ask, oh, what can I do so this never happens again? And unfortunately, you can certainly reduce the risk of injury with proper training and rest and Mm -hmm. volume and load and stuff like that. But life happens. You know, people get injured for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. So 
having this idea to become bulletproof, however popular that might be on Instagram, isn't a reality. The other thing that I think, and just being someone older, I always tell people like, that shoulder injury you have, realistically, that's probably going to act up again. So whatever thing you have, you have to be mindful of the PT exercise you have because you're probably going to have to live with being sensitive and con- or not sensitive, conscious of that for the rest of your life. It's not just a one and done. That's at least my experience. Sure. Uh, yeah, I would say I think that can de- depend, but I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would say the the one other thing I think I would say in in terms of uh, with like back pain and like people that experience a first time new episode of lower back pain mm-hmm. is that you know, a lot of that resolves pretty well on its own within mm. like a six to twelve week time frame. Oh, that's um, good to know. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is to be kind of optimistic and to try to keep your routine as normal as possible as Mm -hmm. you let time do the rest i guess that would be my pearl of wisdom for (laughs) for back pain because i get a lot of people that ask me about like that have like back pain issues yeah dr joshua wasserman thank you so much for your time and i'll put in the show notes how people can reach you Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find me on my website, ironstrongfitness.net, or follow me on Instagram at ironstrongfit. See you at the next episode.